Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Hello, Celebrate. We hope you had a wonderful Christmas, but as Pastor Keith has been talking about, actually Christmas starts now. We had December 25th, but Christmas comes after the birth of Christ. So we hope that you're having a great Christmas season as we go forward. I wanna test your knowledge on a couple of things. What do you call a snowman that has a six pack? The abdominal snowman. <laughs> okay, it doesn't get any better, so just hang in there with me. What did the gingerbread man put on his bed? A cookie sheet. Okay, how about this one? Why did Rudolph get a bad report card? Because he went down in history. Mm. Yeah. Now, you know, that might be, be knowledge that you don't need, but let me encourage you on some knowledge that I think that would, would absolutely change your life. You know, Pastor Keith has been a marvelous teacher, and starting January 19th, he's going to be teaching a class for eight weeks on Tuesday nights on the Old Testament. Now, some of us were a part of what he just finished on the New Testament, and from my standpoint, man, did I learn a lot. So many things that helped me understand God's Word even more than I've understood before. The Old Testament is so full of understanding of how God works and knowledge of us, but a lot of people never quite get it. And they get caught up in some of the things. Well, he's gonna be teaching a class that he's gonna unpack an understanding of the Old Testament. And we encourage you to join us for that. Now you can take it for credit, but you can also audit it, which means you don't have to do the assignments or grade, but you still get to learn for it. Now you can find all about that at celebrate.church with backslash education. We encourage you to join us for that. I'm so grateful that Pastor Keith for all the teaching that he does and he's allowing me to open up God's word with you today. Would you open up to Luke chapter nine? Luke chapter nine. Now it's hard to believe that we're only a few days away from 2021. Man, I mean, that's crazy, although kind of a crazy year, but man, only a few days away. And the days before a new year are great days to reflect and ask ourselves some questions, to evaluate and ask ourselves some questions. So here's a couple questions I wanna ask you. When you look at the world today, are you concerned about what you see? What do you think? Yes. If I said, are you concerned about the way you see people treating each other? Would you say I'm concerned? Yes. Are you concerned about the direction of morality and spirituality in our country? Yes. yes. Are you concerned about what the next generation will face? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. I think we'd all agree on that, but I'll ask you a different question then. How many of you would love to see a movement of God that would sweep the world? Yes. That's a yes, absolutely. You know, most people don't know how close they are to losing something until it's too late. I've been around couples that one of them had no idea the marriage was that far gone until it was too late. Maybe a health situation, a person didn't understand that what was going on until it was too late. Maybe a, a parent who didn't realize an addiction that a child had until it's too late. This country, the United States of America, was founded as one country under God. Yet on July 2nd, 1863, that dream of a United States almost ended. Our country was in a great civil war. The South had been winning many battles and they were literally one major victory away from a United States becoming a divided states from that point on. On a hot, humid day near Gettysburg, Virginia, the battle was raging. 
the South was actually winning the battle. And historians would all agree that had the South won that battle at Gettysburg, the war would have probably been over within the next few months and our country would have been divided forever. A key point of that battle was held by the Union forces and it was a point that the South wanted to take. The reason is because if they were able to take that point, they could surround the Union forces and the battle would be over. The responsibility for holding that point was given to a 34-year-old school teacher from Maine. Now, it was the 20th Maine Regiment that he was in charge of. Well, five times the rebels attacked that point and tried to take it, and five times they were beaten back. As he faced the situation, Colonel Joshua Chamberlain, as he faced the reality of what was happening, he saw this, half his men were dead. Over the other half were wounded. As he looked down the hill, he saw the rebel forces down there, he's outnumbered five to one. They're averaging two bullets per man is what they have left. He understood the situation, but he also understood that if that point fell, that the battle would be lost. He understood that. As he looked down the hill, he saw the rebel forces again mobilizing for another charge. The last one had been hand-to-hand -hand combat at the wall. He understood that that charge would probably mean death and would mean defeat. We'll come back to that story in just a minute. In Luke 9, Jesus has called his disciples together. Now, let's define disciple. Disciple is a follower of Jesus. So how many of you are followers of Jesus? That means you're a what? Disciple. So he's talking to disciples then. He's talking to us now. Now, the disciples at that time, obviously, they're facing a world that's full of fear, uncertainty, and brokenness. Today, we're facing a world that is full of fear, uncertainty, and brokenness. And I say that because the, what, what he's going to do here was for the disciples then, but it's as much for us now as we look at, to two, at the year 2021 and what's ahead. So I want us to read these verses together, Luke 9, verses 1 and 2. And if you would, read out loud with me. Here we go. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. Now, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to go through these two verses literally word for word to unpack what does that mean for us? Not what did it mean then, but what does it mean for us now? Okay, so you ready to learn? Here we go. First word is he, say that with me, he. he. Now, who is he? Well, it's the creator, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the galaxies, the moon, the stars. The earth is part of the Milky Way galaxy. You know what's crazy? There are 100,000 million stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Did you catch that? 100,000 million stars in the galaxy. And the Milky Way galaxy is one of up to two trillion galaxies that we know of. That's crazy. Now, here's a question. Who created him? He did. He created everything that there is. So whatever comes behind the word he, he blank, you can count on it. Okay, if it says he gave, count on it. He forgives, count on it. He does. Whatever it is, you can count on it. Why? Because he is the creator of all, and he is your dad. 
Here's the next word it says. He gave them. Say that with me. He gave, gave them. them. See, you, you can only give what you have. Reminds me of a man that was in the, in the gym and he was working out and he's working out and phone rings and so he grabs a phone and on the other end, the wife says, honey, I, I just got a call from the realtor. I know that we've been looking at houses. Well, that house that we've been looking at, I know it's out of, I know it's out of our price, but, but they just said they knocked down 10,000 off of it. He says, let's get it. Absolutely, put in the offer. She goes, are, are you sure we can handle this? She says, absolutely, absolutely. She said, well, then remember we'd been looking at different cars. Well, the guy said, there's a new car. I know that's more than we wanted, but it, it's available and, and he's willing to work with us. He says, get it, get it. She says, sweetheart, are you sure? He says, absolutely. She said, well, one last thing. You know, we talked about visiting my mom and taking a trip. He says, book the flights, book them. She goes, are you sure? She says, absolutely. Okay, bye. Hung up the phone and walked a little bit. And then he held the phone up and said, whose phone is this anyway? <laughs> you know, it's easy to give one to somebody else's. But if you're going to give, you have to have it in order to give it. So, for example, if I said, hey, can I have a $1,000 bill? Well, you'd have to have it in order to be able to give it. He gave them. He gave them. He has the ability to give because he has it. He created everything. What did he give them? The next word is he gave them power. Say that word. Power. power. Now, the word power means strength. Power strength goes together. Um, I know a lot of you guys work out as well. I work out almost every day at the gym. And man, when I go in the gym, holy cow, I see a lot of power, a lot of strength. And man, that's, that's just looking in the mirror before I get out there and actually start working out. There's a lot of power in there. But I want you to just quickly turn to Matthew 8. Just in your Bibles, turn to Matthew 8. We're not going to read it. I just want you to glance at the power of Jesus. It says, he gave them power. Did Jesus have power? Look at this. In just two chapters, Matthew 8 and 9, glance at the power that's displayed. If you look at chapter 8, verse 3, Jesus heals a man that had leprosy. Now glance at verse 7. He heals the centurion's servant. Look at verse 14. He heals the mother-in-law of Peter. Look at 26. He calms the sea, the winds, and it stops immediately just on his word. Look at verse 32 of chapter 8. He casts demons out of a man. Now look at chapter 9, verse 20. A woman touched Jesus while he was walking by, and she's immediately healed of disease that she had for a number of years. Look at verse 25. He raised a young girl from the dead. Verse 29, he restores sight to two blind men. And then in verse 33, he cast out demons. Then look at verse 35, chapter 9, verse 35 says this. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. How many kinds? Every. Every kind of disease and illness. He gave them power. That's power. You know, it's interesting. Have you ever been in a place, in a place where maybe you had authority, but you didn't have power? Like, for example, let's say an ultimate fighter came into my home. I would have the authority to tell him to leave. Not sure I'd have the power, <laughs> okay, to be able to do that. But does God have the power? Yes. He does. He has all power, and he gives that power to us, us to you. You and I have 
all of that power. But not just power, it says he gave them power, and here's the next word, and authority. Say that word with me. Authority. authority. Now, the definition of authority is the lawful right to enforce obedience. I like that definition. The lawful right to enforce obedience. Have any of you ever served on any kind of a committee or with a group that, to be honest, you served on it, but you guys had no authority? <laughs> you know, it's a committee like, why are we here? We have no authority to do anything at all. Well, you can have power sometimes, but if you don't have authority, it doesn't help. I, when I was in college, one of the jobs I had is I waited tables at a restaurant. It's a nice restaurant and, and really enjoyed it. In fact, I think everybody should do that just to learn how to serve people. But because of that experience, my wife, Cindy, doesn't always like to go out to a restaurant with me. Because guess what I'm judging? <laughs> how the waiters and waitresses are doing, okay? Because when you did it, especially at a higher-end place, you, there's a standard. And so I'm always critiquing, you know, kind of thing. And she's, ah, don't do that. But one of the frustrations, have you ever had this, where all I want is some more water. I'm, that's all I want. <laughs> and nobody seems to be paying any attention. Well, right over there, I can see in the kitchen is the water. Now, I have the power to go get it, but do I have the authority? No, okay? And so what it is is the fact of looking at the fact that God gives us power, but he also gives us what? Authority. authority. What gives us the authority? Because he's our dad. We're made in the likeness and image of him. So everything that is God is ours. He says he's given it all to us. So it says that Jesus gave them power and authority. Think about this. Your dad, the God of the universe, the creator of the sun, the moon, the stars, has given you his power and authority. It's the same power that cast out demons, raised the dead, healed the sick, caused the lame to walk, the blind to see, walked on water, raised the, raised the dead, but made the deaf to hear. That power is ours, but not just power, authority. The same authority to tell unclean spirits of fear to leave anger to subside, lust to dissipate, discouragement to fade away, that's ours. He gives it to us. He gave them power and authority. He gives us that same thing. Now, I love this next word, though. I love the next word. Over. Say that with me. Over. Over. I love that word. You know, in high school, for a winter sport, we had two sports we could choose from for the guys, basketball and wrestling. Okay, that was the two sports to go out for. Well, I loved basketball, so I played basketball. And it was also the reason I chose basketball and not wrestling was the fact that at that point, I'm 6'4", not quite a four, 140 pounds. That picture, me in a singlet, not a pretty picture you want in your mind. Um, sorry, too late. Okay, there. But here's the one thing I learned about wrestling. It's impossible to defeat your opponent when you're under. Does that make sense? If you're going to defeat an opponent in wrestling, what position do you need to have? Over. You need to be over. If you're under, there's no chance of you winning. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Yet I talk to so many people that they say they believe in God. They say they're following Jesus. How you doing? Uh, you know, under the circumstances, I, I... Wait, 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 wait. What was that word you used? Did you say, under? Under the circumstances? What are you doing there? Because God, Jesus, gave them power and authority. What's the word? Over. Over. 
You and I have power and authority over every situation, over every circumstances. Why are you under it? I love how Romans 8 says it. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So what we talked about so far is that he gave them power and authority over. Okay, before we go on, let's just pause here for a minute. What's going through your mind right now just in what we've talked about so far? I have a hard time realizing that I have all of that uh, power and authority sometimes because I still want to grab the wheel. I still want to, um, I guess I still second guess myself. Um, I'm not questioning God, but he gave me all that power. I am so unworthy of that. He gave me all that authority. I am so unworthy of that. And I find it a challenge sometimes to accept that. Yeah, just to piggyback on it, I think it's a lot easier for me to say, you know, God has this for you. He's giving you all this. He, he's forgiving your sins. But for me to believe it for myself, I feel like sometimes that's harder. The devil will use that. So, you know, it's easy for me to say to you guys, but God, first of all, like I said, God gave it to me. So it's his, not mine. He gave it to me and be able to own that and embrace that, knowing that it's through him and the Holy Spirit, not me, and be able to work in that. I view it as we're ambassadors of Christ, so when he's given us power, it's through Christ who strengthens us. And so we have to utilize that aspect and make sure that we know that it is through Christ. So we're not doing stuff just for ourselves. The power it was given was, it was given to the world, was given to the sons of God. Um, sons and daughters of God. Um, but we are supposed to use it not for ourselves, but we're supposed to use it for God's purpose. So I think that's what is lost because it's easy to take control if the reasoning is for myself. It's very easy. But a lot of times we don't want to take control when it's for everyone or for others. We are selfish beings. I think when we have that understanding, that humble, humble understanding that it's from God, um, then amazing things can be done when we can just let go of that. It says that the, the power is like the working of His mighty strength, which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. So the power that raised Christ from the dead that's in Ephesians, has this, is the same power that we have at work within us. And if we just, I mean, I, I don't do this, but if I and all of us just realized that and had a humble attitude, think what can be done. Because he gave them, but he gives us. We have to personalize it. He gives Jonathan all power. He gives Jonathan power. He gives us power and authority over. Okay, let's continue it now. Because the next word is all. Say that word with me. All. all. He gave him a power authority over all. Now, th there's a word that when a man hears it, he loses really consciousness in some areas, okay? He starts sliving, you know, sweating. He kind of just loses the thought process, and it's not the word you're thinking of. It's this word, buffet. Buffet. See, men right now, they've lost it. Okay, they're, they're totally gone at this point. Because man, for, for a man, buffet 
Oh. Now, let's say you go to a buffet and there's a hundred different items of food. How many of those are you allowed to eat? hundred. All of them. Absolutely. And how much of it can you eat? All of it. All that you can until you can't eat anymore. It says that he gave him power and authority over all. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 16. It says this, I've given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever, it's another word for all, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Does that include everything? Yes. It includes everything. He gives us power and authority over all fear, over all despair, over all discouragement, doubt, disillusionment, defeat. You and I have power and authority over all. Not some, over all. Now, the next couple of words, people might go, hmm. Because what are the next couple of words? He gave power authority over all the demons. It's interesting. In a poll taken recently, the majority of people believe that there is a heaven. Absolutely, they believe there's a heaven. But a much smaller version believe that there's actual hell. Let me ask you, if demons and unclean spirits were evident then, because Jesus cast them out, are they evident now? Yes. yes. If they were real then, are they real now? Yes. yes, they are. Absolutely. In fact, Ephesians 6, Paul says it this way, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, when you think of the word demons, be curious what picture comes to your mind. Maybe some of us are old enough to remember a movie called The Exorcist. Okay, and the head spins around kind of like your mother-in-law. Okay, maybe something like that. But another word is unclean spirits. That's used in the Bible. And that means a controlling influence. Think about that. Unclean spirit is a controlling influence. Let me ask you this. Is poverty a controlling influence? Yes. Yes, it is. How about anger? Yes. How about worry? Yes. What do the rest of you think? How about fear? Yep. Let's look at these words. Hate, discouragement, depression, anxiousness, abuse, procrastination, undiscipline, unforgiveness, poor self-image, all controlling influence. I say it because sometimes I'm around people that say, man, I, I just, I can't seem to control myself. I, I can't seem to help myself. Wait, 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 wait. You have power and authority over how much? Oh. All. Demons, it says, and unclean spirits. You have a power and authority over all of that. You were created greater than the demons. You are not to be intimidated. You rule. Let me ask you, have you ever, you ever had to cast something out of your house? For example, your kids, if they're small, brought in a, a new pet that they had found on the street. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you say, get that thing out of the house. You ever, ever been there? Or maybe you were the kid. <laughs> get that out of the house. You rule. Or let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a house that was ruled by an out of control two-year-old? Okay, now don't raise your own hand. Okay, that's yours. But let me ask you, if you have an out of control two-year-old, how much dialogue is there? Do you have a collective bargaining agreement with them, a negotiation session? Uh, don't think so. You rule. You control it. Why? Because you have power and authority over that. 
That's what God has given us. He's given us power and authority over all demons, it says, unclean spirits. And then he has these three words, and to heal. Say those three words with me. And, and to, to heal. heal. Now, when we think of healing, we think of obviously the physical healing, which of course there is. But are there other types of healing? Yes. Is there emotional healing? Yes. Absolutely mental, financial. Mm -hmm. How about marriage? <laughs> There's all kinds of healing. It says this, and to heal. He gave us power and authority to heal. Let me ask you, are, are more people in need of a physical healing or an emotional healing, do you think? Emotional. I think we all agree, even, even in this COVID situation, more people need emotional healing than physical. How do you heal, it says, and to heal? Well, Proverbs 16 says this, good words heal like medicine. You and I literally have the ability to speak words of healing into people. So, he gave them, gave us, gives us power and authority over all the demons and to heal, here's the next word, diseases. Now, when we think of diseases, we think of cancer, heart disease, and so forth. But there's kind of two philosophies about, about illness, and that is the, the uh, symptom or the cause. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we focus more on symptoms, am I right? Mm -hmm. But can we agree that causes influence that? So for example, can worry and anxiousness cause sickness and disease? Yep. Yeah. We all know that. How about anger and hate? Yep. Yes. Can poverty? Uh-huh. How about unforgiveness? Poor self-image? In fact, it's been noted that they estimate, not in a pandemic situation, but in a normal situation, almost half the people that are in hospitals could walk out if they knew they were forgiven because of the link between it. Okay? Now, we're going to finish off the verse here in just a second, but let's review what he did. He said, he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. Okay? What's going through your mind now? I think one of the keys, and you, and you said it when you said the people that are in the hospital, if they knew that they were healed, um, the, devil, the devil wants us to fight against each other. As he was reading in Ephesians 6, you know, we, we spend so much time fighting against our brothers and our sisters and not fighting those things that are unseen. My problem isn't with you or you or you. You know what I mean? And, and we focus so much on that, but have to constantly remember that that's not the, he's, he's not the problem. She's not the problem. It's praying for those unseen things. And, and I think that's the key, key as believers, understanding that and not wasting that time fighting against each other when we're on the same team. You know what I mean? And just to piggy off of what you said, it's almost like we are sometimes naming conditions without going to God since God is, God knows all. God knows whether the condition is, 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 um, is, is, you know, it's a spiritual condition or whether it's a sickness condition or whether it's a disease. Um, in Matthew 10, verse one, um, it said, you know, he called him his 12 disciples. Uh, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So all of those three components are three different components. And sometimes we are trying to attack the wrong component. Mm -hmm. And we're and, and in that, that's where we sometimes wonder about the efficacy of our efforts. 
And it's not necessarily that we're not trying to help. It's just that we're not, we're not, we're not, um, we're not exerting power and authority for the specific thing that is necessary to be, um, to be, to be uh, reached. So, when you mentioned the, I think it was out of Matthew you mentioned scripture that we have the keys to the kingdom. As followers of Christ, as disciples, um, God. God trusts me. God's entrusted me. And just by what we were talking about earlier, I think we see so little. We're under so much, so much of the time that you say the hospitals and so many people could just walk out. We're under so much. We don't realize the amount of trust that God's put in us to be over. I was going to say, when you were <clears throat> speaking of the two-year-old, it's totally what's going on in our house right now. We have a toddler that just loves to test us, and God's just testing our emotion, I think. And it's so true that we have to remember all the time when she is just having a fit, she's testing our strength, but we also have to remember we have power and authority over that. Um, we have a power and authority to how do we react, what words do we use. Absolutely. Well, it says that he gave them, gives us power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And now here's a key. And he sent them out. Say that with me. And he, he sent, sent them, them out. out. He gives us all this power, all this authority over all things to do what? To sit and listen to sit and just be fed? Are you kidding me? No, he did it to send us out. We at Celebrate are a multiplying church. We're a sending church, not a sitting church. So this might sound crazy, but we don't want you to come. <laughs> it sounds crazy when you say that. We don't want you to come, we want you to what? To go, we want you to go. See, you won't see miracles in your life staying at home. You won't see miracles in your life isolating yourself or being under fear. You won't see that. It's when you go out that you see miracles. Sad statement, but there's 4,000 churches a year in the United States that close their doors. Think about that. 4,000 churches a year close their doors. You know why for a lot of them? They didn't go. All they did was stay. And it's kind of like the Dead Sea. They have stuff going in, but nothing comes out and something like that becomes stagnant and it dies. It reminds me of the story of the traveling evangelist that went to a one congregation for a weekend and spoke Friday night and he preached Saturday night and then Sunday morning and Sunday night. And on Sunday night, he says this. He says, you know, having been with you for these, this weekend, I'm convinced that this congregation will be the first to see Jesus when he rises again. And Man, they all sit up and look at each other because he says, it says clearly in the Bible that the dead in Christ will rise first. <laughs> well, we don't want to be that. He's given us all this power, all authority over everything, but to send us out. But then look what comes right behind it. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and perform healing. And then verse six says, departing, they began going throughout the villages, 
preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So why does he give us this, this power and authority over everything and he sends us out? For this, it's our purpose. You wonder, well, what's my purpose? To proclaim the kingdom of God and perform healing. It was then and it is today. And as we look to 2021, that is what we're to do. The mission of Celebrate is to meet Jesus, help people meet Jesus. Because we believe this, when you meet Jesus, <laughs> everything changes. You can't stay the same. It's kind of, I love the analogy that Pastor Keith gave a couple weeks ago. It's like pulling a pin on a grenade and swallowing it. Others are going to know. Because it will explode out of you. When you've met Jesus, there is power and authority that will come out of you if you've met him. That's our vision. But then our mission is to be Jesus. Not just help people meet Jesus, but now to help them be Jesus to a lost and hurting world. A faith that doesn't produce life change and a faith that doesn't go isn't a faith at all. That's why Pastor Keith asked, you might know Christmas, but do you know Christ? Because if that's the case, it will be. What would happen in even our community, whatever community you're in, if there were 1,000 Jesuses in Sioux Falls? Do you think things would change? There should be. We're all called to be that because we have his power and authority in every way, shape, and form. In fact, why did God send his son, Jesus, to proclaim the kingdom? This is what it says in Luke 19. For the Son of Man, this is Jesus talking, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Can I ask, are people lost today? Yes. Are they lost in direction? Lost in hope? Lost in their marriages? Lost in truth? They're lost. I've been in ministry for 42 years. And the reason I've been in ministry for 42 years has been because of one incident that happened 42 years ago. It happened at the Sioux Falls Arena. It was Lincoln High School's graduation. And in those days, there could still be a prayer. That, so I was asked to do an opening prayer. So we're at the arena, 800 students on the main floor. Then, of course, all the families sitting up on the seats. And then there's a few of us on the upper level. Then after that, the people that were deferring degrees went down to a lower level where they were going to, obviously, give the degrees. And so I was up there by myself. And they said, just stay up here. You can watch it. So great. They walked down. I'm there. And I physically felt the presence of God come and sit in the chair next to me. It was as real as Chris is here. I, I felt it that closely. And as the first person student's name was announced and came across and shook the hand and got the diploma, I, I heard him whisper something in my ear. He said, did we reach him or did we lose him? And I knew what he was saying because statistics share that 85% of students that don't make a decision for Christ by the time they graduate from high school never will. The second one came. He whispered the same thing in my ear. The third one, the fourth one, he did it. 800 times and broke my heart. I realized I can't sit. I can't sit. I have to do something. I have to. Here's what Matthew 9 says. When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. <laughs> Think of that in today's society. Like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. It's crazy to think about. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be turned 65 years old this next year. 
You know you're getting old when the candles cost more than the cake. Okay, that's how you know you're getting older. But I look back and I go, what did I sell my life for? What did I give my life for last year? We all gave it for something. What did I give the last 25 years? And then what am I gonna give the next 25? What are you, what are you gonna give the next 25 years of your life for? You can give it for something. You know, when Colonel Chamberlain faced his reality, it looked very, very bleak. When we look at what's happening in our country today and around the world, can we say it looks bleak? Here's a couple stats. According to a recent Pew Research poll, 84% of my parents' generation describe themselves as Christian. Okay, my parents, 84%. My generation, 76%. Millennials, which are 23 to 39, 49%, it went from 76 to 49%, it's snowballing downwards with each generation. The ranks of the religiously unaffiliated have risen to 26%, that's up 9% one decade. It's escalating. A recent poll by YouGov just confirmed that millennials have surpassed Generation X and baby boomers as the loneliest generation. The YouGov report found that 30% of millennials always or often feel lonely, about one in five people in this age range say that they have no friends, while 27% say they have no close friends, and 30% say they have no best friends. Those surveys are MRIs of the soul. Mm -hmm. I heard one author said it this way, this generation of young men have traded adventure for video games and traded romance for porn. We'll finish off here in a minute. What's going through your mind now? Well, uh, that scripture that you were sharing about that the harvest is plentiful or whatever, that, um, that just really came alive to me yesterday. I was out shopping and I just talked to the, the cashier and I just said, oh, I love your nails and, you know, just kind of start having a conversation. And then I just said, well, I don't know if you found a church, but, you know, I got to celebrate and I just wanted to invite you. And she just, I mean, God had, he had set that moment up because she was ready. She's like, the Lord, I think the Lord was speaking to me yesterday. You know, I'm going to come. I, I promise you, I'm, I'm going to be coming. And she told me a, a story and I, I just kind of walked out going, wow, so often I think that no one wants to know the Lord. But there is. We, we don't know who those people are. Our job is to just be, be Christ. I mean, it, I mean, sometimes I get stuck thinking, well, I'm not doing anything unless I'm, you know, speaking to all these people or something. But just being, just having a cheerful look, you know, just being kind or just, you know, spending time with God every day so that just, he just comes out, you know, and you don't necessarily have to try it, but, you know, people will see, you know, and like you were saying earlier, it's, it's, it's not us, you know, it's just Christ in us. It just, you know, people will see it and they do want to know the Lord. Yeah, that's, that's so good. And it just goes to what I was going to, I put down, I was like, don't make excuses. So many times we, we think, well, I'm not, a, I'm not Pastor Keith, I'm not Pastor Reed. I don't work at a church. You know, that's their, that's their job. And, and, we, or, and we make all these excuses or we spend time comparing ourselves. You know what I mean? And the devil wants that to happen because then we're not about the Father's business. And there's other verse that when it says, like, God has given us dominion. 
And I don't want to make excuses anymore. You know what I mean? Wherever my mission field is, God has me there for a reason. And just like what Karen did, she could have made an excuse. She could have said, well, I don't want to do that or nothing. But she knew that God had appointed that moment. And she was just being obedient to that prompting. And I think that's what we need to do is be obedient to that prompting and not make excuses because God has called each and every one of us to go out and make disciples. Not just people that work at church, you know, each and every one of us. And if we took that on and be like, okay, God, knowing this is not me, you gave me this and I will walk in humbleness in it, God, and you do your work. God can do crazy things through that. Yeah, you being obedient, being in the word, being cheerful, you know. Uh, profess the gospel at all times, and if necessary, you would use words, and boom, you take that bold step about church, and she says yes, she receives it. How many thousands of lives can be changed because of that one question that you asked? I think we're all seeking something. I've been seeking something my whole life, just the wrong direction, and then somebody turned me, and now in the right direction. Can't hold that gift. This is after Christmas. It's not getting wrapped up and put away. Need to share that gift. We are called to share that gift as boldly and as much as possible because everybody on this planet, no matter what they um, profess, they're seeking something. And we have that answer. I agree. Uh, like you said, it's um, we're to proclaim the kingdom of God. Um, we're the face, the hands, the feet of Christ. Um, we're disciples of Christ, like you had said. Um, it's easy to be, to surrender and to be defeated when we're under. And that's, that's, the, that's a huge part of, 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 of control, is, is being under. However, we always have the power to overcome. And we have to let people know that. And we always have that power. It's just a matter of whether we will be under or whether we will be over. So we have to have that message and, and, um, and, and, and preach the gospel. Um, the Son of Man came to seek and save all that were lost. Um, and it was because God had given the world and mankind free will. And we had spiraled and snowballed, as you said. Things have gotten almost out of control. But God is, can, is in control. And so as long as we represent the, the, the face, the, the feet, the hands of God, we can produce change. Psalm 11, verse 3, asks this question. If the foundations are being destroyed... What then is there for the righteous to do? Can we ask, are the foundations being destroyed? Yeah. So what are the righteous to do? Well, there's a couple options. Retreat. Pretend it doesn't exist. You know, we can, uh, in fact, I look at 2020, I think a lot of people have retreated. They retreated into their homes. They retreated into isolation. They retreated into social media. I think churches have retreated. So I've seen different churches that have retreated. And people want to just get back. I just want to get back. You know what a definition of get back is? Retreat. That's retreat. So we can retreat. Here's another option. Surrender. Just surrender. Man, because somebody else needs to do something about that. Surrender that I can do anything. But man, the government needs to do something. 
Man, the school system should do something. Somebody should do something about that while I'm holding my remote being entertained. When Colonel Chamberlain faced this situation, he had the choice. Do I retreat? Do I surrender? Do I just die? Or is there another choice? As his soldiers looked to him, knowing the attack is coming, looked to him, what's, what, what's it we're to do? He made a statement. He said, fix your bayonets. And they knew what that meant because the last one had been hand to hand at the wall. They did. But then he said a second command they weren't expecting. As they looked at him, he looked over the wall and he said, charge! What? And he yelled it again, charge! And with that, he jumped over the wall and started running down the hill. Those who were remaining of the 20th Main Regiment were so captured by that, they jumped over the wall with him and ran into history. Because the South Army, seeing them charge, thought reinforcements had come. And many of the rebel forces simply laid down their arms and literally in 10 minutes, with no ammunition left, they had captured the 15th and 47th Alabama, more than 400 men. They saved the point that saved the battle, that saved the war, that saved the country, because one man said, charge. Why are you and I alive right now? Out of all the times in history, God could have planted you and I. He has us alive right now. Why? Not to sit, not to watch, not to surrender, not to retreat, no going back. This is our time to charge. We have to go through our neighborhoods and communities. We're to go into preaching the gospel and providing healing through relationships, through the words of our mouth. It's not just about some people going to plant churches and home churches, which is great. It's about every one of us who's a follower of Jesus charging into where God has called us, our work, our neighborhoods. Some people might think, well, what can I do? You can give direction to a teenager. You can mentor a child. You can visit a senior citizen. You can encourage someone who's discouraged. You can give hope to someone who's lost meaning. You can love those who are empty hearted. You can help those who are hurting. You can give direction to those who are lost. You can share truth to those who are being lied to. You can be a friend to those who are lonely. You can give purpose to those who have lost meaning and much, much more. This is our time. This is our time to charge. Here's how I think the verse reads today as we go into this next year. And Jesus called Celebrate Church together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. So departing 2020, they began going throughout the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Any last thoughts before I pray? I have one. I just um, think so often, I said it already earlier, but it's so easy to think that, you know, we're not doing anything if we just, you know, if we talk to a teenager, well, that's just one teenager. If we mentor a child, that's just one child, you know, but, but I just have kind of a picture of like all dark, like a just dark triangle, a dark rectangle. And then um, each one of us is just a little spot of light. 
And then around each one, there's like five more spots of light because we each reached five people. And pretty soon the whole thing is, there's a lot of light in that rectangle. So maybe it is one teenager, and one kid at school, but then those people are gonna reach more and eventually we end up reaching a lot of people. And so often <clears throat> we think, well, I can't do that. I don't have the words. I don't, you know, that's not my expertise. But we don't need to. All we need to do is be a listening ear. Let God speak through us. They had no ammunition. They just charged. God did everything else. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Do you know Christ? Really? You know, Pastor Keith asked, Pastor Keith asked, during the series up to here that you might know Christmas, but do you know Christ? Are you experiencing his power and authority? Because if you're not, you might not know him. Let me ask you a second question. Are you going or are you sitting? Because if you're sitting, you might not know him. Because Christmas starts now. It's time to charge. We were born for this time. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you that your word is as true to us today as it was 2,000 years ago. This is not about what you did with a group of men you sat beside then. This is what you're doing and saying to us now. God, thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because of that, the same power, the same authority over all the demons and unclean spirits, all of that is ours. To be over that, but God, then now you're sending us out to proclaim the kingdom of God and perform healing. God, forgive us for the times that we have sat. Not this year. This is our year. God, we want to see miracles. Thank you for what you're going to do and that you use us as weak and frail as we are. We're grateful for that. We love you and we ask this in your name. Amen. 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 Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.